All right. Well, welcome to Genesis. How's everybody feeling? All right. Cool. Well, hey, we are glad that you guys are here. And man, I, I hope that wherever you are from, wherever you, wherever, wherever you call home, did not see any damage from Hurricane Florence. But, you know, I consider it a privilege to, to be able to, to gather together like this and, and lift up people in prayer. I was telling the leaders earlier that I don't want to be, uh, you know, Genesis or Northwood, I don't want to be a church that just is so inwardly focused that we just pretend that these problems don't exist in the world. And so we want to address them. We want to, you know, pray for people we want to give. And so we're actually going to be taking an offering for Florence tonight, and Genesis is going to be giving some as well. And uh, whatever you guys want to give, we'll add to that. And we found an organization that takes 100% of what they get straight to the relief efforts. And so uh, we just want to, you know, we want to do our part, you know, and, and this, this, is, this is what it's all about. And so we're glad that you guys joined us today. Uh, we, we, are, we are at Genesis, you know, we believe in, in having open doors and open hearts. And, and I hope that you felt welcome coming through the door tonight. And I hope that you felt welcomed and, and comfort, comfortable. And, and I know that you've been prayed and prepared for. And so I'm excited that you're here, and, and I, hope, I hope also that you came tonight with an open heart, knowing that God is going to meet you here, and the Holy Spirit's going to maybe reveal something to you. And so I, I just, uh, I pray that tonight would be an amazing night where you'd have an experience with God. And so I'm glad you're here. My name is Mike, and I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis, and just in case we don't know each other, if you're new tonight, I'd love to meet you later. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever walked into a room and then forgot why you walked in there to begin with, Right? Like we all do this, right? Like you're sitting there, like you're watching TV or watching Netflix or something, and then you think of something you need to do in another room, and so you get up, and then you walk in there, and then you're like, what did I come in here to do again? And then you just go sit back down, right? Like this happens to me all the time. Like I, I think about something I need to do, and then I forget, and then I go sit back down like nothing ever happened, right? So this is actually something called the doorway effect, Scientists have actually, this is so common, it's something that happens all the time, the scientists have actually labeled it the doorway effect, and they believe that it's the brain's way of clearing memory to get ready for something new, or, or get ready for a new interaction or new situation. And this big study was done where they had somebody memorize something, and then they walked into a different room, they walked under a doorway, and then they were trying to say what they memorized, and they couldn't remember it. But then the same person would memorize something and then walk the same distance but stay in the same room and they could remember it perfectly. And so this is the doorway effect. There's something about walking under a doorway. There's something about stepping away from one thing and then stepping in to something else. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight as we continue our series, The Gospel of Noah. And throughout the month of September, we'll see that the, the story of Noah and the ark is famous and well told as it is. It's not just a story to be left in Sunday school, but it's instead a story of faithfulness and obedience and rescue from the wrath of God. And last week, which is two weeks ago now, we opened up the series by talking about the construction of the ark and how it started really small and how a lot of times in our life, we feel like we're in small stages of life. And, and we talked about how we, how we treat where God has us is a reflection of how much we trust where God has us. And so we actually are going to uh, cut this series down to three weeks instead of four. Uh, but so tonight was actually supposed to be the message for last week. And then next week, you'll get a two for one, which is always great, right? So, uh, so that'll be great. So don't miss out on that. So tonight, as we continue the story of Noah, we'll see that the ark has been finished. And then God tells him what to do now. And it involves stepping away from life as he knew it, and then stepping into what was next. So if you would pray with me, and then we'll jump in. God, again, we thank you so much for the opportunity that it is to 
to gather together with a body of believers. And God, I pray tonight that your word would, be, uh, would speak clearly, that your voice would speak louder than my own tonight, that this message would not fall on, on deaf ears, but instead ears to hear and eyes to see. And God, I know that you are in this place, and I know that your kingdom is going to come and your will is going to be done in Genesis as it is in heaven. And God, we, we trust you with tonight. In Jesus' name, if you agree with me, say amen. All right, if you would, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 7. If you have your Bible, and I encourage you to bring that to get you up to speed, like we said before, at this point in the construction of the ark, it's done. It's been 100 years in the making. And in the beginning of Genesis chapter 7, God tells Noah to get together some sacrificial animals to put on the ark with him. And then he reiterates the fact that the flood is imminent. He says it's going to come in seven days. Okay, so Noah had waited 100 years, and now the flood was a week away. Like, we thought football season took a while to come back, right? So try 100 years, okay? So he's waited 100 years. And so after this century-long construction process, one that started small, like we said, one that took diligence and perseverance and hard work, after this 100-year-long promise that it would flood, Noah finally feels raindrops. So if you would, this is Genesis 7, 11 through 12. This is what it says. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So after those seven days, the moment that Noah had prepared for had come. Like it says that the, the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were opened. Like this was the moment that Noah had prepared for. This was the moment that God had been getting Noah ready for. Like this was the moment where, where Noah and his family would enter into their escape from the wrath of God. And this is where, the moment where the ark would be put to the test. And I can only imagine how, how Noah must have felt at this point, right? Like I've spent 100 years building this ark and I really hope I built this thing right. Like, I really hope that this thing holds up the, under the weight of this rain or in this flood. And so, for me, I've never been, I've never been one uh, to build things. I've never been very good with my hands. I'm not one to build or assemble things. Uh, you know, like, there's some people that are really good at that, and you would consider them, you know, people call them, like, Mr. Fix-It. I would be, like, Mr. Break-It. Like, I try to build or assemble things, and I just make them worse than when they, you know, when they started. Not that I want to be it, want it to be that way, but it's just that every time I try, it ends really badly, right? And so, but since Emily, my wife, has, has been pregnant, and since we found out we were having a son, I tried to get a little better at things of this nature. And so, a few months ago, I had the idea of building a, a small bookshelf for his nursery. I don't know if you guys have things like this in your family, but in my family, if great-grandpa so-and-so built this thing by hand, or whatever it is, like, it's getting passed on the generations, right? Like, we're not getting rid of that. We're going to hold on to it. Like, we have a, in our living room, we have this, this small table that Emily's dad built in shop class when he was like 16, okay? So I was like, okay, this might be something cool to do. So I got the wood and I put it together and, and it wasn't perfect, but I was really happy with it. And what was really funny is that for the next like couple days afterwards, every time I would go to leave the house, I would like peek in the garage to make sure it was still standing, you know, like, oh, did it make it through the night? <laughs> you know, like, did a small breeze blow it over, you know? And, and then, it, you know, we had to carry it upstairs <laughs> to get it into his room. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is going to make it. And then we started putting books on it. And it's like, okay, that also makes me a little nervous. Uh, 
And so if I felt that way about a bookshelf, a small bookshelf, we can imagine how Noah felt about that ark once he saw this flood coming. And so let's read it and see what happens. This is Genesis 7, 13 through 16. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark, they and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the Lord shut him in. So we see Noah and the family enter the ark, and as we know the story goes, the animals followed, right, two by two. And, and what we see here is Noah once again showing trust in what God was doing. Noah, Noah, when entering the ark, left behind everything that he once knew. He left behind his previous life. He left behind all he had known, all his possessions. And he brought nothing onto the ark other than what God had told him to bring. He stepped away from everything and then stepped into the ark. He stepped away from it all and stepped into what God had for him. He stepped away and then he stepped in. And the verses continue to say that the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut the door. The Lord sealed it shut. And this is like, you know, this is a world-destroying flood, right? This is like a rain that we haven't seen since. And so that door had to be watertight, no leaks, no holes, nothing exposed. It had to be completely sealed shut. You know, we just talked about Noah possibly having these, like, concerns about the ark. Like, maybe did I build this thing right? Is it going to hold up? Well, it seems that God did not have concerns about Noah's handiwork, but instead was concerned for Noah's ability to shut the door. And that way, for Noah, there's not going to be any of this crossing of the fingers, hoping that he built it right, hoping that the ark held up. God did not take any chances because it was sealed shut by God himself. That if you got on the ark, you were staying there, and if you didn't, you weren't getting on. This past week, you know, I thought we were going to have a flood of our own. And so for, for the hurricane, I went and got some sandbags from the fire department. Went to the fire department, filled up some sandbags, put two in front of my front door, two in my back door, and then two for the door to the garage. And this is basically to deter flooding, right, just in case it floods. Well, in this case, God wanted Noah to do nothing just in case. He wanted it shut and sealed tight, and he was not taking any chances. And I want to make that completely clear tonight. And so in that moment, the Lord shut Noah in. Noah didn't shut himself in. And that way, there was no denying who saved Noah. That yes, it was God who sent the flood, but it was also God who sealed the salvation. And so in this part of the story of Noah, what we see here is a, is a picture of not just salvation from a flood, but also a reflection of our personal salvation. That when we come to faith in Christ, the order of events is the same. As Noah stepped away from all that he knew, stepped into the ark, and then God shut him in, in the same way we step away from our previous life, we step into faith in Christ, and then God seals the salvation. We step away from our previous ways, our previous lifestyle or addiction or priorities. We step into what God wants for us. We step away, we step in. And so just as Noah left it all behind to get on the ark, we leave it all behind to follow after Jesus. And so when we give our life to Christ, we are shut in by the power of God. Our salvation is secure, and nothing can take us from his hand. 
But here's the problem we often have with that. We don't always live like we believe salvation is a gift from God. We don't always believe, we don't always live like we believe that God was the one that shut the door. Sometimes we treat salvation like we deserve it, like we can seal our ark on our own. Don't we as followers of Christ often find ourselves trying to seal salvation by ourselves? We don't see Noah telling God, hey, listen, I built this thing. I know it inside and out. I know what's best. I think I can handle shutting the door. No. God didn't leave it up to Noah to seal the ark because it's by the power of God and only by the power of God that Noah was going to survive that flood. And in the same way, God didn't leave salvation up to us because it's by the power of God and only by the power of God that we receive eternal life. But so often, the way we live our life communicates that we believe that we've sealed our own salvation. And we think that because we come to church, because we have Jesus in our Instagram bio, because we do this and we don't do that, that somehow we've reached this right standing with God. And sure, all those things are great, unless they lead to an arrogant or judgmental mindset. And the result of that, the the result of idolizing this this self-righteousness or our own self-righteousness, we begin to start this, we begin to start to play this weird game that Christians like to play sometimes. What we do is we start to keep score as if we are competing against other followers of Jesus. Well, they, they don't attend church that often and they listen to this music and they cuss and they do this and they do that and they live this way and, well, I... I go to church. I listen to his radio all the time. I Instagram my time with God. I float on clouds. (laughs) And I wear my Sunday smile even on Mondays. And what we're doing is comparing our spiritual highlight to someone else's spiritual struggle. We live like we can and did save ourselves. And by doing that, we've dwindled the goodness of God down to this list of do's and don'ts. And I guarantee that that game would stop if we started to realize that it was not us that sealed our salvation, but that it was God. And I guarantee that that game would stop if we started to realize that we are all equally dead in our sin, but all equally saved by the blood of Jesus. And here's the thing, don't miss this tonight. By living as if we can save ourselves, we have added paint strokes to the beautiful and completed picture of the gospel, right? Like we've got this completed work of Jesus, the life, death, resurrection. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is just to forgive all sins. We've got this completed work. And by living as if we can save ourselves, we take that completed work and we say, no, not good enough. It needs a little bit of this, it needs a little bit of that. He needs to do this and wear this and not hang out with those people and make sure that he goes to these places at this time. We start adding all these things to what's necessary for salvation. And that's like Noah sticking his head out of the ark ark and telling God, no, I got this. I know what's best. Somewhere along the line, we've forgotten how sinful and how depraved we are and how messed up we are to the absolute core. And yet in the midst of all of that, that God still welcomed us and died for us to give us eternal life. And all of that is a result of thinking that when it comes to salvation, I got myself here. I sealed the door. I shut myself in. 
Let me tell you something tonight. If you are trying to save yourself, there will be leaks in your ark. And living that way, thinking that your personal performance as a Christian is what counts, is going to leave you crossing your fingers on your deathbed, hoping that whatever it is that you built is good enough to save you. We don't earn our salvation. We do not seal the door. We do not shut ourselves in. God does. Because here's the thing. If our salvation was dependent on works, we would all be in trouble. If God had left the door of our salvation for us to shut, we would wander out every single day. I know some of you in here tonight may be thinking like, okay, so, so he's talking about all these self-righteous people, all these people that think they had a hand in their salvation, these people that have it all together, but I know how messed up I am. I know the mistakes that I've made. I know where I've been. If that's you, you need to hear tonight that if your works can't earn your salvation, they can't lose it for you either. The Lord is the one who seals our salvation. The Lord is the one who shuts us in. And what God does, no man can undo. And all we've got to do is step away and step in. That's good news tonight. Here's something that should comfort you and relieve you and get, take a burden off your shoulders. But though it is true that we are sinners and unable to save ourselves, God was not oblivious to that fact. God didn't like it, but he loved us enough to do something about it. He didn't like that we were sinful, but he loved us enough to do something about it. And so no matter how hard we try, like we, we can't work our way to God. No amount of good works would ever be enough. We can, we can never reach the perfection or the righteousness that is necessary to be saved. But since man couldn't come to God, God came to man. And then Jesus, in, in love and humility, stepped away from his throne in heaven and then stepped into this world of evil and sin. And he lived a perfect life one that we are unable to live and then died a death that you and I deserve to die and then resurrected again to give us eternal life. So now we, we are imparted the, the righteousness and the, and the perfection that is necessary to be justified in the eyes of God. The weight of eternity was, was too much for us to bear. So Jesus did it for us. So now we can step away from our brokenness and then step in to his salvation and then he seals it. And there's nothing that can break that seal. There's nothing that can separate you from the love you have in Christ. If you are in Christ, there's nothing taking you away from Christ. That should comfort you tonight. And here's what's great. When we give our life to Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, naturally there should be the desire to do what he wants us to do. So when we start walking with God, we have to make choices daily to step away from our flesh to step away from selfishness and temptation and idolatry and then step into what God wants for us. Even though I've been walking, I've been walking with God for 10 years this year, I still do my fair share of stepping away. I have to say to myself all the time, like, okay, Mike, let's, let's not be a jerk today. Let's not be arrogant today. Let's not be, let's not be this, this selfish person today. And, and you'll find that once you start stepping away, you want to keep stepping in. Like, if I want less of me today, if I want less of Mike today, I'm going to need more of God. If I want to be selfless, if I want to be supportive of others, if I want to be kind and generous and have self-control, I need more of God. I need to step away from me and step in towards him. 
And then all the while, here's the beauty of it. In the midst of all that, our salvation is never in question. It was sealed the moment you said yes to Jesus. And now, day by day, our life begins to look like him. But when you fail, when you stumble, when you make a mistake like you're going to do, don't keep score. Don't get down on yourself. Don't wallow in your mistakes. Instead, get up, believe that the cross was good enough for you, and then try again. Your salvation is sealed, and not sealed by you, but by God himself. You didn't shut the door. God did. So now I want to ask you some questions. What is it that you need to step away from so that you can step into what God has for you? Is there a perspective shift that needs to happen, one that takes your focus off of your own works and then onto the final work of Jesus on the cross? Maybe tonight you need to finally take the burden of saving yourself off of your shoulders. Instead, let the one who already did the work carry it for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is a beautiful truth for you tonight. And all we have to do is step away, step in, and know that our salvation is sealed. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you didn't let Noah shut the door. God, I thank you so much that you didn't let me shut the door either. God, I thank you that our salvation is sealed, not by us, but by you. God, because we know if it was up to us, we would wander out every single day. God, I thank you that even, the, even just like our works can't earn us our salvation, it can't lose it for us either. And so God, I thank you for the forgiveness that, that is offered through the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you did the work for us, God. I thank you for the, for the gospel of Jesus, that it's a completed and perfect work, and I don't want to do anything that adds to that. So God, if we've been doing that, we repent. God, if we've been trying to save ourselves, we repent. And God, for those of us in here that know that we've messed up, we acknowledge our sin. God, I pray we would make a beeline for the cross. We would make a beeline for your presence. And that you're gonna welcome us with open arms. God, I thank you again that you sealed our salvation. You didn't leave it, us to, leave it up to us to seal. Because of that, we can trust in it. We can put our faith in it. I know that every single day as we walk with you and when we mess up, when we make mistakes, our salvation is never in question. And all we have to do is step away, step in. In Jesus' name, amen.